first of all, thank you for inviting me today to be able to speak here. And uh, also a very warm welcome to all of you and all of those who have joined us online, our guests and family members who couldn't be here for some reason or other. <clears throat> As I was preparing for today, I was not quite sure what to speak about. So after some reflection uh, and prayer and also some recent experiences, I concluded uh, to speak a little bit about my life, um, my background, and my faith journey, <clears throat> and where I am at this stage of my life. So if you permit me, I will refer to my notes. Um, I would like to begin with a reading taken from Revelation, the 21, 1 to 4. It says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, and there was no more <clears throat> as a bride, sorry, adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things passed away. <clears throat> I grew up on a farm in Germany uh, with five siblings. This farm was situated in the uh, countryside, so the nearest village or a town was quite a distant away. It was a bit of a paradise for us, and our life and work followed the seasonal changes each year. Maybe you can imagine there was always something to do. Helping to look after animals, milking, <clears throat> uh, milking the cows when we were ready, tilling the fields in springtime, harvesting and storing the crops and the grains in autumn. There was no end to it. And to a certain extent, we were self-sufficient, as our mother also had a big lot of a garden to look after, where all our vegetables and fruits were grown. So we can see that our growing up in this environment helped us to understand that we were dependent on our environment. We became aware of our responsibilities to care and look after every living being. Our father was a practical man. 
kind and sensitive, but he did not talk much. We could come with questions for him. He would take the time to answer. I have memories watching him treating the animals with so much care, he could not bring any harm to them, not even to a fly, so to speak. My mother came from the city. Her education and outlook were very different. She was for all things beautiful, whether music, books, or the theater. She was the one who took us to concerts and plays at the theater in the town, and during the summer to open-air classical music events and performances, a little bit away from our farm. Her effort and investment to us in us children were inspired by her idealism, which carried her through many challenges in her life. Both parents, the father and mother, were community-minded. They were there when someone was in need of help. Now the question is, how did all this influence and relate to my spiritual or religious quest? From a conventional point of view, we as a family were not very religious. Our church attendance was limited to the holy days of Easter and Christmas only. But for me, it was always clear that there was a God, and there was no doubt in my mind. Growing up, surrounded by the beauty of nature and its wholesomeness had a deep meaning for me. I still hear my father saying once to me, to believe in God does not mean you need to go to church. Our church, the evangelical Lutheran one, was situated in the next village, quite away from our farm. So tradition required that we were confirmed. For one year, every week, we, my sister and myself, would attend Bible studies. So there was a period of learning, listening, and serious questioning. The most burning question for me were, what was the meaning of resurrection? How could it be that some disciples could see Jesus, even allegedly touch him after his actual death on the cross? And why was he killed in the first instance? These were about the basic tenets in the Christian faith. And I wished for a clear understanding and a believable explanations. The answers from our pastor were not very much convincing to me. They did not make much sense. I decided to go elsewhere to find the answers and continued searching. One result of this encounter was I left the church as a member as soon as I could. It meant when I was in employment, I terminated office, 
official membership. Because in Germany, you have to pay tax to be a church member. <clears throat> I continued my further education in the following years, which offered the opportunities to work and live in different parts of Germany, as well as my first trip overseas to Australia. These few years <clears throat> were a period of intense experiences, searching to deepening my understanding of the meaning of life, meeting the most wonderful people with whom I felt a spiritual affinity. I felt most blessed and grateful for every new encounter along the way. <coughs> Excuse me. One day I had the experience of being drawn into a sphere of total harmony, of light and beauty, a feeling <clears throat> of intense aliveness and infinite joy seemed to come from within, limitless and beyond description. I was graced with an experience which left me in awe of life and the universe. The challenge seemed to be bringing together of an, the innate longing for the ideal of beauty, truth, and goodness, and my observation that there seemed to be <clears throat> only a suffering humanity, abject poverty in parts of the world, injustices, and the absence of peace. This was a dilemma to bring the two realities together and I couldn't see any solution in sight. I was still seeking for the origin of things, a pl plausible narrative of the story of the origin of humanity and the universe. I encountered <clears throat> a unificationist missionary, or unified family as it was known in Germany in that time, during my first semester of studies. I listened to the DP lectures, and these lectures on the principle of creation, the fall of man, and the mission of Jesus offered the answers to questions that I had been struggling with for all these years. I could see possible solutions to many of the contradictions I had observed throughout. And it all made sense, and a feeling of clarity came over me. Interpretations of the events in the Garden of Eden, the cross as a secondary cause, and the ontology and Christology gave clear explanations of Christian concepts. My deep interest in all things historical also was renewed. The lectures explained the flow of history and certain events as God's providential plan to the purpose for the purpose of salvation and sending the Messiah. Personally, I felt my time had come and I joined after all that. Looking back, 
I know that God, in all his love and wisdom, had made great effort and incredible preparation prior for this moment to occur. That involved my ancestors, immediate family members as well, as his protection and guidance in all those years of searching. I will always be grateful <clears throat> for that and the conditions, sacrifices and challenges that were part of it. The missionary sister who had approached me was guided to the right place at the right time with God's grace. If it would not have been for that, it would not have occurred again maybe for years or never. For almost three years, as I completed my studies, I also did missionary work in several towns and cities in Germany. It was good training to work with other members together. Our spiritual life developed through constant interaction, witnessing and learning to present the divine principles to strangers, believers and non-believers. Our sincere hearts were focused to find young people with an open mind and prepared by God. Uh, <clears throat> the greater challenge came at the beginning of 1973, when Reverend Paul Werner asked me to become missionary for Australia. As I mentioned earlier, I had been a visitor once before in Melbourne. I felt honored to be asked and accepted. For a good seven years, I was committed to my mission down under. <clears throat> I worked with another German sister, Annette, for about four years. She was a go-getter, filled with passion and zeal, driven to witness and teach the divine principle. Some of you may know Christa Kammerger, presenting the uh, news from Korea. She's Annette's daughter. Mm -hmm. Many hours we walked the streets of Melbourne looking for those young people that God had prepared. We set conditions, prayed and cried together. Australia seemed a spiritually dry country. We could sense the burdensome past of that nation, her complex relationship with Britain. People, and young people in particular, were enjoying the outdoors all year round. The question of faith, or is there a God, did not seem to have priority. After one year of witnessing, the first member joined, and then more young Australians committed to change their lives after they heard the Divine Principle lectures. We opened <clears throat> centers in other cities. Some members could start businesses. The circle of parents of our members also expanded, and we were so grateful to have their support. When our two parents, 
our true father, began the crusade, the New Hope Tours in America, and presented his insight with the new future of Christianity in America, he became famous throughout the world, attracting a lot of attention, and subsequently, persecution increased. <clears throat> Until then, we in faraway Australia were sheltered from that. But then our papers picked up and copied the US media. Derogatory articles appeared. Also, we had graffiti <clears throat> painted on our church properties. From what I remember, we granted just some interviews to clear the air. But after a while, it all subsided. We continued our ways. At the end of the year of 1979, we were called to New York for the engagement ceremony. After that, I was assigned to a new mission in the Bahamas. Remembering my earlier years before joining, I had a dream to serve people in Africa. I had read about their circumstances in literature by Christian missionaries. They were a great inspiration, especially Albert Schweitzer, a medical doctor, theologian, and accomplished organist. Until his last days, he was dedicated to bring relief to the poor and suffering in Central Africa. Being assigned to the Bahamas, I asked myself whether this was my Africa. I felt challenged to understand the Bahamians, mostly from African descent. Christian churches in Nassau usually were well attended for their services, and all the families went together to be there on Sundays. Our local members had their friends there, and presenting the new concept of the divine principle was challenging. We conducted our church activities in our home through living together. It was, helped us to learn about each other, serve, and create an atmosphere of respect and goodwill. And ever so often, we missionaries had to go to Florida for our visa extensions. Um, in 1983, a new phase began. In <clears throat> My path as an individual in the mission field had come to an end. We were, we, meaning David and myself, we were to start our family and pioneer the family-level relationships on our own in a foreign country in India. How could I prepare for this new adventure? It was a period of the most unexpected experiences, whether it was a very difficult and different culture, the unbearable heat of New Delhi, the smell of death, pollution, masses of people, and the noise in the streets, the very spicy cuisine, societal problems, including the caste system. We witnessed the 
the assassination of the Indian Prime Minister, Mrs. Indira Gandhi in 1984 by Sikh terrorists and the murder of more than a thousand Indian Sikhs in New Delhi alone in revenge. Our Sikh neighbors were hard and honest working, good-hearted and the most hospitable friends one could wish for. They came to live in terror because of these events. How can one help in such situations? I wanted to reach out to comfort them. India is such a huge country with a vast population. It was deeply challenging to find a way to connect with people's intrinsic nature. To see from God's viewpoint was the only way and to offer up everything. An elder once said to me, our heavenly parent never gives us more than we can carry. I had to take a positive view, take the opportunity to learn, to grow my ability to love and embrace. And along the way, we met, we met beautiful people. Our landlady, who would pray for me after finding out I was pregnant with our first son. The wonderful lady doctor who helped and shared her expertise and wisdom. The many academicians and learned Indians we met in our interreligious conference work. Good-hearted young Indians that attended several workshops. We could learn so much through them. Although I found the spiritual atmosphere very heavy and it was hard to break through the spiritual walls. <clears throat> Our time came to an end after three years. Visa regulations had changed after the murder of the Prime Minister. We left the country to begin anew in Sri Lanka. By that time, we had two small children. Sri Lanka was a pleasant and friendly place, and Sri Lankans were more easygoing, hospitable and welcoming. Buddhism was practiced by the majority. Next, Hinduism by the Tamils, and in the, east, in the eastern and northern part of the country, and a small percentage of Christians were residing on the west of the island. Politically, Sri Lanka experienced a period of unrest in intensifying in the second half of the 80s, civil war. It was the war between the elder and the younger brother, between the Sinhalese and the Tamils, that brought much pain and destruction. We lived through periods of imposed curfew. As foreigners, initially, we were not impacted. We could organize workshops, continued with weekly Sunday services, and lecturing the divine principle. We were so desperate to expand the foundation for two parents 
in that country through our activities. Sri Lanka at the southern tip of India is a little island with an island culture. People are friendly, they smile, you can talk with them freely. But even though it was difficult to fathom what was really going on in their minds, they would keep it private. <clears throat> Again, after three years, we left at the height of the civil war. The Colombo government refused to extend our visas. In our family, we had welcomed the addition of our daughter, though we never felt that our life in Sri Lanka was in danger, we were nonetheless careful, <clears throat> especially during the periods when curfew was imposed. We sensed God's protection, especially relating to the birth of our daughter. The one night that the curfew was lifted, I had to go to the hospital for her birth. Again, our friends, and our members supported with prayer. Buddhist nuns became involved in the name-giving. It was a great blessing. As the Bible <clears throat> reading refers to the new heaven and the new earth, these words resonate with me very much. It is about God's promise for the peaceful world we all can live as a family and nurtured by harmonious relationships among its members. And I understand it as a new promise of a new covenant between God and every human. The most crucial part of this promise is our portion of responsibility as an absolute ingredient for God to realize his promise, his dream. And as we are created in his image, according to Bible scripture, we already have in our innate nature the original nature that reflects all the infinite harmonized characteristics of our great creator. In our interface work and outreach in the community, we aim to serve. We have worked to create a space for <clears throat> to bringing people of various faith traditions or none together for dialogue and exchange and learning about different views. It is directed towards building friendships in the long term. <clears throat> I believe that with sincerity and the willingness to embrace all differences, we can develop together. Our personal development to become an integrated person of mind, body and soul is closely connected. This brings me to another Bible reading uh, from the Matthew 7.7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Is that not a wonderful invitation to us, each one of us, to fulfill our spiritual
quest and, and potential. We cannot ignore our birthright to the divinity within. <clears throat> this, this divine ember, as stated before, is not purchased, bequeathed, or rewarded. It is discovered by seeking after what God already had promised. The principle teaches about the restoration of the birthright with correct understanding and faith in our daily life, our daily life offers opportunities for the soul to learn the lessons of life, taking responsibility for ourselves. In True Father's words, we all have to become messiahs. I would like to conclude by reading a poem for you. The author is Lisa, the second daughter of, my, of our oldest son and his wife, Kyoka. They're not here because they have got car problems today, but I still would like to read the poem. They're online. Online, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> Lisa was... Uh, Writing this poem, she's eight years old, nine this year, uh, at the beginning of this year. She called it Loving Kindness. Love your enemies the same way as your family. Open your heart and feel God's love. Visit your neighbors with love. I know the joy of giving. Never give up loving. God loves all his children. Kindness is living in your heart. I love God. Nevertheless, I can't see him. Don't just love people who love you. Never lose hope. Every day, step by step, share God's love with everyone. I only can be grateful to two parents because they are the fruits. <laughs>